Hello and welcome to the Inspire Group podcast. Uh, my name is Dan Tuchel and I'm here with Kimball Vallis, um, who we've known for a while and has been a great friend of Inspire Group. And um, yeah, so welcome, Kimball, and thank you so much for taking the time today. Great. Thanks for having me, Dan. It's great to connect with you guys again. Yeah. So I understand um, you've been out on your own and I, I guess, what was it, December um, of last year, yep. you decided to uh, to go out into the world of um, being a, a, an independent consultant. Would that be a fair kind of description? Yeah, that'd be right. Yeah, yeah. yeah nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I left, um, I was at ASP, I'd been there for nearly 15 years and um, amazing organisation to work for. I thoroughly enjoyed all my time there. Um, and it was, a, it was a tough decision. It took me quite a while to make the leap, make the jump. Um, and, and essentially what was driving it was my kids. Um, yep. So I've got two young kids, um, six and eight, and they're growing up fast. And, you know, I'd got to the point in my career at ASB where it's, I either they take on more responsibility or I broaden what I was doing and it was more time at the office and it was as much as I was attracted to that I kind of figured they're only going to be young once so need to do something different so that's kind of what yeah. drove us. Um, you, you, you mentioned more time in the office and uh, <laughs> yeah yeah and, yeah and, 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 yeah so so, so 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 how did March start with or how did March finish with you then what what, what were you currently doing during well, March I, of two, 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 2020 there you go yeah, or maybe yeah, yeah. we go back a little further. So when I left in December, you know, there was these very minor media reports about this thing that was happening in China. It was like, oh, yeah, and of course by March, we were in full-blown lockdown. And I was yeah. like, this wasn't on the plan. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't on anybody's plan, of course. Yeah. Um, and I'd, I'd spent enough time, fortunately, to have got into the market and, and got, got out there and networked and started picking yep. up clients that – um, somebody picked up the phone, um, and unlike a lot of companies that were immediately starting to pull back, as you'd mm, expect, mm. Um, they were in healthcare, um, they yep. were a one provider, and they could see a tsunami of work coming that they just needed to scale their workforce yeah. rapidly. Uh, and they, they were like, can you help us? And I was like, and, and you know, I laugh now, because at the time I was like, oh, you know, I can give you like two or three days. Yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Because <laughs> um, I, you know, I had other clients at the point at that mm. point, but of course, the, the other clients quickly dried up uh, for a, a time, and the work was immense during lockdown. Yeah. We were doing uh, eighty hours a week easily. Eighty hours a week. Yeah. So that that Far three out. weeks in March, that first yeah. lockdown, uh, the team and I were just all mm. hands to the pump to. Yeah. Because the, the the client was scaling so quickly to meet all of the um, incoming work, yeah. So and it was an amazing time and very contrary to what a lot of other people were going through. Yeah, and are, are you able to share a bit more about what what sort of um, work? I mean, obviously in the learning and development space, you know, what sort of yeah. things did you have to do and did you have to prepare these folks for? Um, so there were a number of things. So they ran essentially they uh, were running a contact centre. And yep. the contact centre was just getting flooded with calls, as you can imagine, with mm. the fear and the uncertainty that was uh, in in the world as yep. well as New Zealand. Um, and they knew they had to scale up their contact centre workforce as quickly as they could. Yeah. Uh, and that meant quite a radical rethink on how they did what they did. So, mm. like a lot of contact centres, they rely on quite a thorough induction induction process. Yeah. 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 Uh, that can be anywhere from a week to a couple of weeks. One one company I work with was three weeks, just pure yeah. induction. I've heard of six more. 
I've yeah, seen more. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and we're in the space where we don't have that. We don't have a yeah. week. We've got a day yeah. and a half. Wow, a day and a half, huh? How do we do that in a day and a half? And then, yeah. you know, the other thread that was coming across, of course, was, and they can't necessarily come into the office. Mm. So we had to get really creative really, really quickly around, well, how do we maintain the the standard yeah. for people so that people had were assured that they were getting skilled people at the end of the line answering their questions in the right way um, and at the same time meet that demand as quickly as we mm. could. So it was... And how, yeah, how many folks were you inducting? Like, what, what did that look like? The highest like? we got to was 40 a day. Oh. Yeah, the 40 a day, and we were building towards um, three or 400 a day if we had to. Like if you had really to, yeah. Had and that was kind of the, like the worst case scenario. Yeah, right? so if we got into yeah. a, like what Victoria went through in, the, in Australia, yep. then the projections were we'd need to go up to that. So, so you, you, you think your 80, 80 hours a week would go to 120 hours a week? Yes, or so. I, don't know. I don't even know how many hours total in a week, right? Yeah, they watch Seven times 24. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, All right. so it was an incredibly challenging and rewarding time. Uh, yeah. And it, it really put us, um, put us to the fire in terms of mm. stepping up into – in what we thought we could achieve as a learning function and yeah. as a, a function that was integral to the success of the business um, and do it at speed and do it at scale mm. using technology in a way that, you know, we yeah. never, so it was awesome. It was awesome. Yeah. Well, I, I suppose too, you know, you're kind of under that that extreme pressure and did, did that help some other departments, e.g. the IT folks make decisions just that little bit quicker? <laughs> Um, Is that a leading question? It's a little bit of a leading question. Yeah. yeah. But I think, look, it was a team effort. It had to yeah, be. Yeah, yeah. All the organisation yeah. had to get in behind making making this thing work. Mm. Um, yeah. And it meant that the other thing that came through was, you know, at the risk of sounding cliche, you know, we, we were saving people's lives. Yeah. That's um, no, not cliche well, at all. I mean, it's the reality, right? Exactly. So... The the understanding between the different areas around you know we just got to get this done and what needs to happen was outstanding and yeah. you know they built a brand new contact center in five days from nothing like an empty wow. floor to complete with desks phones networked everything and, and so you had some people in the office and other people working from home yeah 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 yeah, yeah. we had a yeah because we were an essential service so we yeah had, yeah yeah some people were on site some people were not and of course when you're recruiting at that speed. You had to be able to include people that were working remotely. So and, and, yeah, far out. And how did you? Um, I mean, obviously, you had to do things at pace. So what? What? Um, I guess learnings or things that you did that were new and different that some of our listeners might, I don't know, be able to borrow <laughs> some, some 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 of your cool ideas. Do, do some R and D rip off and duplicate. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. But um, should, should I say um, reuse and amplify? There you go. There you go. Nice, nice frame. <laughs> Um, so what are some of the things that we work? So I think one of the things that came through loud and clear when you're delivering remotely like that, uh, there is a temptation to resort to what you've always done. So we need more. Okay. Either, so we need more. Yeah. Video, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so do more of what you've already done, and but try to make that quicker and yeah, in, in, yeah. in, in more, more, more volume or something. Yeah, yeah? yeah exactly. And, okay. and 
you and your listeners will will, will be well versed in the amount of development time that is needed mm. to build e-learning modules that are effective. For example, yeah. Yep. Um, so in our scenario, we simply just didn't have the time. Mm. But more importantly, we didn't believe that that was going to be an effective way to onboard these pe these people. Yeah. It's a technical learning environment that um, requires new learners to come to grips with using multiple systems all at once to yeah. deal with um, quite at times stressful conversations on the phone as people mm, of course, yeah, yeah, about yeah. Their health and the health of their loved ones. You know, that's not something you can convey in an e-learning module. Mm, so yeah. one of our biggest learnings for remote delivery was around the importance of that social connection. Yep. How do you maintain that human face to what it is that you are uh, taking people through on that learning experience? How do you give yeah. the opportunity to have human conversations and human interactions um, whilst at the same time delivering to a fairly pressured kind of timeline? Yeah. Um, and when you say those human interact social connection, that was with each other, but obviously also with the clients, huh? Yeah, and the folks yeah. ringing in, yeah. Yeah, because you got to remember, like, these are people that you're that you're working with, and they're yeah. just worried and just as fearful and just yeah, yeah, yeah. Else. And you can certainly um, require of them and expect of them a level of professionalism um, that's that you'd expect in that kind of environment. And nonetheless, mm. you still have to acknowledge that these are people too, and they are yeah. you know, they're in challenging times. Mm. So. We called upon a vast array of learning technologies known and at the time unknown to, to make that yep. happen. So Teams has been an outstanding piece of kit that we've come yeah. to with very, very closely. And Microsoft have continually, even this year, built on the platform so it mm. becomes more and more effective. That's meant thinking about new protocols on how do you get the most out of that yeah. and how do you convey uh, that, that to... The learners so that they too can go away and know well how do i use this thing because for a lot of people pre-covid oh yeah teams is this thing that the business yeah. had that, and people know, use for chat right yeah exactly and I, you yeah, know they got oh yeah we'll set up a teams channel and we'll yeah. like rather than using email we'll do that yeah exactly <laughs> and i don't think people really tr truly appreciated the yeah, power of it. true uh, true but also with that comes well how do you do how do you get the most out of it you know for yeah. example one one client, not the same client, a different client. I know um, they have a channel on Teams that's just for social chit chat. That's it. Mm -hmm. Just so because one of the things, as I was thinking about talking with you today, I realised is that a lot of those informal communication networks that we came that we relied on in a normal work environment in the office, yeah. water the conversations and bump meetings that happen as you're going from one place to another, all that's gone. Yeah. So. We're inherently social beings. We, we want yeah. to interact. That's, that's how we've evolved. So the danger of a remote working environment is that that's just suddenly gone. Mm. Mm. I see my, my teammates as we were in a formal team meeting that, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. screen, right? Um, and that can be really unhealthy if you're not thinking about, well, how else can we foster that normal human interaction? Yeah. So dedicated channels for, you know, your cat videos and your general chit chat was really yeah. important. Um, having opportunities for people just to kind of blow out a little bit and, mm. and socialize digitally is really yeah. important. Yeah. From a learning perspective, creating and maintaining those collaborative learning moments that you take for granted in a face-to-face -face working environment, mm -hmm. in a learning room, um, how do we do that? So using the technology 
Um, teams didn't have it at the time. It's being rolled out now, but you know, using breakout rooms. Yeah. Uh, Zoom's famous for that and very, very good oh. at it. But creating breakout rooms so that people can go away and do little interactive exercises and come back. Um, yeah. Using platforms like Mural or Mirror that enable and duplicate that that post-it experience so mm. that you can see real-time what people are thinking in their, in their post-it. Yeah. We've built entire programs based on a Mural platform. Nice. You know, so that and, 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 and the tech's pretty cheap too, actually. Yeah, right, for, you know, yeah. for a relatively cheap subscription, it's, it's mm. an amazing tool. And, you know, like yeah. I said, was the other one, there, there are others on the market we haven't used Mural. Yeah. Um, and I think the other thing that we quickly learned, and I think this is common um, across the board in the industry, is that for us to deliver really, really well across the digital live channel, mm. uh, it paid to have a technical producer in the background. Yeah, so, yeah, we, we, that was a big, big lesson we learned. And and whenever I've had to do any online, you know, facilitation or presentation, having that producer is just a godsend. It is. You totally. feel like they're doing all the heavy lifting. You feel like you're bunking off, right? Yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah. And that's probably exactly what's happening. They are doing all the heavy lifting. <laughs> yeah, you can just focus on the group. Oh, focus totally. Yeah. Yeah. Because you have to. Yeah. The demand for the facilitator or the trainer are that much higher. Yes. Because a lot of the, the nonverbal cues that you're used to yep. reading in the room, again, are simply not there. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So with another client where we were learning, well, sorry, running leadership programs, and you know, we, we made it a standing agreement with the participants there because we were running a program with 50 participants. Um, well, that's, yeah, well, that's a lot bigger than you and have in a room, right? That's right. So we yeah. wanted to scale it anyway, and then COVID hit, so we decided, well, let's push on. Mm. Um, but it meant we had little protocols like you know, when 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 it's a stand and deliver part of the program and we're delivering a little bit mm. of a model, you know, that's fine, just sit and listen. But when we're having an interactive conversation, turn your cameras on. Yeah. Fine, so that yeah, people good on you. see people. Because, yeah. again, these disembodied voices coming out of the screen um, is a bit disconcerting and, and our brains are just not adapted for that. Yeah. Uh, so I'll tell you one good thing, though, I, I think, and I think there are many benefits of doing it this way. It's a lot easier to remember people's names. <laughs> <laughs> you know you say, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't you think, Kimball? <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I unless they have some weird initial thing and you're going, oh, it might be PD. Is that Peter or Paul? Or, yeah, yeah, who is that guy? Yeah. Well, meeting room one. In this meeting room one, yeah. Thank you, meeting room one. That's a <laughs> fantastic insight. Yeah. 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 So, um, so those kinds of things, I think every yeah. profession have learned, you know, we can, we can create uh, really powerful learning experiences mm. through mm. these, through these digital platforms. Uh, the learning principles and the principles of brain-based learning are all the mm. same. It just needs us to sit down and, and apply some professional nows and some, some technology nows and go, okay, yeah. how do we adapt this to still deliver an impactful experience? Both. Yeah pre, during, and post the experience, mm. right? Mm. I got talking to another um, company this year because we were looking for ideas on how do we scale, and I'd heard that yep. they they had run a, um, I won't say who they were, but they had run a Agile boot camp. Okay, yeah. With 900 people, and they had been planning to do it in a, in a big stadium area, and then COVID hit and lockdown happened, so they pushed on. Uh, and they still delivered it. Nine hundred people. Nine hundred. Yep. 
Yeah. So wow. from them was in, was incredibly useful. So for them, yeah. things like screen fatigue was a real issue. Mm, mm. So no team interaction on Zoom or Teams for longer than 20 minutes, yeah. for example. Yeah. Um, the really short, sharp, but frequent interactions. Yeah. Um, they would bring all 900 people back collectively into a single meeting. And when, when they had producers, they had a production team. They had a production entire, team, okay, yeah. Yeah. A production studio with cameras and mm. green screens and the whole nine yards, right? So, mm. which would make sense for something that scale. But the principles are the same. Have a producer be mindful of those kinds of things like fatigue. Make sure people have a chance to share their experience. All the stuff that you're doing in, mm. in a live room, but use digitally. Yeah, yeah. Do you think, I mean, I often wonder about, you know, sometimes you get this, there's something happens, obviously, with COVID and lockdown and then having to do more digitally. But there's often um, benefits from that too. You know, there's things that you know with the, with the technology that we go. You know what? This makes this thing actually easier. Or so. So, did you guys discover any of that in terms of what you were rolling out? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the remote the remote learning revolution, if I can call that. I mean, it was going to happen anyway. It was already yeah. started. Yeah. Uh, COVID provided us with a beautiful laboratory mm. to just really double down on how can we really make this work and I think the benefits of that we're going to see ongoing um, yeah. forever and a day because the it's forced us as an industry uh, and as a workforce I guess collectively to think very very differently around what work and learning can yep. be and yep. what look like and I think that can only be a good thing mm. remote working in itself, again, was was already well underway before COVID. It's been accelerated, mm -hmm. and that's revealed the benefits of giving people more autonomy over how they choose to work, when they choose to work, where they choose to work from, mm -hmm. and those have flow-on effects in terms of engagement and productivity. Yeah, um, and I think those are important lessons for us to take. Mm -hmm. I find it interesting when I when I talk to um, clients and companies out there. And there seems to be two broad camps emerging. Um, one camp is of, I can't wait till things get back to normal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah okay. I get back, everybody gets back in the office and everything yeah, goes yeah, back yeah. to the way it was. And I think um, that's an optimistic assessment of yeah. <laughs> what the future is going to be like. Mm, mm. Um, and then you have this other camp that's like, wow, we've just completely reinvented ourselves. Yeah. And there's no going back. This this way of mm. working is awesome, and what we're achieving now is beyond what we thought we could do before yeah. it happened. So in that way, you know, they've risen to the challenge and treated COVID, um, and I don't want to say this out of context because a lot of people have suffered under COVID, but, mm. but it has been in this context a bit of a gift. It's yeah. forced people to think different and realise that actually there are other ways of doing things um, that are more human and more effective for us. Yeah think that those companies are looking at a very bright future mm. uh, if they double down on it. Yeah. You know, I think you're right. And, um, you know, you mentioned that the humanness of it and, you know, and, and a word you used before socialising digitally. And, um, you know, I remember having drinks, Chameleon, Chameleon's one of our products, and some drinks with the Chameleon team, I don't know, maybe April or May, maybe. Yeah. And it was one of the funniest <laughs> 
things out. And we only had a couple. It wasn't like we had heaps of heaps of drinks. We had a couple of beers, and yeah. and we we're all just laughing our heads off, and you know, and then socialising digitally. And and yeah. I never really had a a digital drinks before, and um, yeah. it was great. And you know, I got to meet some of the guys in Melbourne that I'd never met personally, and yeah, um, never met face to face because I you know joined since I I was last there, and it was brilliant. And 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 I remember thinking, oh, I mean, this is a good thing, right? You, you know, we yeah. can make that connection. And, and it felt like a real connection without necessarily um, trying to then the logistics of flying somewhere and kind of getting yes. together and all that. So I yeah. hear you, yeah. Yeah, and I, and I think, you know, look, it's going to be a both-end world as we come mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. I think it's not one or the other. Yeah. Um, I think that, yeah, you mentioned, you know, the, the days when we were flying to clients, you know, mm-hmm. domestically and internationally, and I think even that's, going to need a rethink as we talk about yeah. climate, climate crisis and climate emergencies and all the rest of it. Yeah. So again, um, I don't think we'll see a world where that's completely replaced, but I do think we'll see a world where it's more and more common. I mean, entire conferences are being run online. Yeah. So yeah. the reach that we now have um, mm. is, is absolutely yeah. immense. For one of the leadership programs we're running, we use a supplier in the UK and it's yeah. lots. And, you know, yeah. We wouldn't have thought of doing that necessarily before, mm. but the the learning opportunities for us to be able to reach out to specialist providers, no matter where they mm. are in the world, mm. has now been proven to be well. Actually, you can you can do that. It's quite it's quite plausible. Yeah, and that, yeah, that's, I hear you. That absolutely changes things, and it's so that mm. that's exciting. I think. No, that's, very 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 much so. <laughs> um. So, and are, are there any um? I mean, you know, you mentioned with with the social connection with the producer. What what other? Give, here you go. Give me one more. Give me one more tip for our learners. Where they'll go. Oh, that Kimball. Yeah, he's as smart as I thought he was. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no pressure. <laughs> uh, the the one tip that establishes my yeah. reputation. Oh well, yeah, yeah. We're, everything is going to hang on this. Or, or you know, there'll be some you know, blog posts, you know, the five things Kimball thinks about, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> or seven, it'll be some odd number, right? Jeez. Uh, uh, from a learning perspective, um, gosh, the one thing, if I was to sum it up, been such... Oh, it could just be one other thing. I think, you, you know, you made a really good point about the producer. Yeah. You know, and, and, and you're spot on there. Or a production team if they're 900 participants. I mean, wow, yeah. you know, yeah. how about that? I think the one thing um, would be the nature of leadership. Okay, yep. Leadership now must adapt like the rest of us. And again, I think it was a trend that was already emerging. There was a lot um, in the in the social media space and LinkedIn and so on, a lot of discussion around what is the future of leadership. It's a perennial topic. Mm. I think, again, COVID has put the whole notion of VUCA, you know, volatile, uncertain, yeah. complex and ambiguous on steroids. I think it was a, it was an interesting concept. That yeah, that, uh, that, here's, I'll, I'll be opinionated for two, for two seconds, well, maybe a minute. I thought the whole VUCA thing was like, oh, well, the world's crazy, it's going to be really weird. You know, I, I used to think, well, 1939, the world probably felt pretty strange, right? 1940, right? You know, if you take a historical perspective. Yeah. And, I, and, and at the time, you know, I don't know, I, and I, people were publishing articles and stuff. I remember thinking, yeah, no, nah, not really. Yeah. Um, however, yes, it is now. And you yes. go, okay, 
Yeah. Yep. Things are now changed quite a bit and, and are quite different. Yeah. Sorry. So, no, so I, I suppose all I'm doing is going on a detour and coming back and agreeing with you. Well, but I, I, I would agree with what you're saying. I think yeah. I, I think VUCA was a concept. I think there were parts of different industries that had definitely experienced massive disruption. Yep. Um, I think that if you'd been involved in those areas of disruption, then, yeah, you'd be nodding going, wow, yep. yeah, the life's not the same and never will be. Mm. But I also think there was a large proportion of us that it was just it was just an acronym. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was yeah. just a thing on the horizon that people talked about. And then, boom, it's here. Like, mm. who could have ever anticipated a global pandemic of this scale hitting so quickly? Nobody could yeah. have anticipated that. There might have been a few boffins at the CDC and, and, mm, and mm. yeah, yeah, told you so. Yeah, but, I was going to say, yeah, we've been talking about this, guys. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> For the vast majority of us, this was like a bolt out of the blue. Um, and I think it's it's a sign of things to come. I, mm. I really do. And again, in that regard, it's forced us to, to really grapple with it real time. Mm, mm. And leaders in particular are bearing the brunt of it. Yeah. And I think they're in a they're in a double whammy because in these times of crisis and uncertainty, their job is to still lead. And their teams and their companies are looking to them to provide that that leadership and I guess that stability or sense of continuity that mm. people are craving when everything else around them is yeah. changing. Yeah. And it's pressure enough by itself. I mean, there is a reason mm. that that uh, people like you and I are constantly asked to run leadership programs on leading change because yeah. change is such a big thing so that's a pressure all by itself and the flip side is these leaders are also experiencing exactly what their teams are experiencing they've yeah. got loved ones overseas mm. they've got mortgages to pay you know they're, mm. they're having to deal with that uncertainty and then on top of all of that oh can you completely change the way you run your team because they're all running remotely now and mm. so that can be really challenging and this is what I find interesting, and this was the opportunity, I guess, I saw when I decided to leave ASB. And, and yep. when you do that, you're kind of thinking, well, what value can I add? You know, where's, mm -hmm. where's the conversation um, that I think I can add value to and want to be a part of? And what I had noticed even pre-COVID in the last few years at ASB as a big corporate is that the the conversation around leadership and the expectations that we were placing on leaders had evolved and morphed and changed quite a bit. Yeah. Back in the day, you know, going all the way back to the 80s and 90s, it was all about what the leader did. It was all about the mm. talk skills and the models that they applied and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. All that, right? And then it's continued to evolve and change, and you've had things like, oh, you've got to start thinking about health and well-being more mm. for your people and for yourself. Oh, you've got to think about um, different ways of working more, and oh, this yeah. agile, you know, and it just keeps building. Mm. And then, in the last eighteen months, two years, maybe a bit longer, the conversation shifted again to it's about your mindset, it's yeah. about your emotional intelligence, it's about how you show up and do you. Mm. That's a fundamentally different leadership conversation, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, you're not talking about Tuckman's forming, storming, norming model mm. anymore. You're talking about, so Dan, tell me how you're relating to yourself and your own self-talk and, and how you yeah. relate to monitoring your own emotions and and be able to deal with 
times when you're feeling great and times when you're feeling bad? And can you bring that wisdom to your team and help them manage it? Like, mm. these are different conversations, right? So when I say the one thing, I think the one thing is the demand on leadership. Mm. And I think the definition on leadership has shifted. It's no longer, or not no longer, it's less about a hierarchical thing. You yep. are a leader. We are all being required to show traits of leadership. Yeah. All being required to demonstrate the ability to shift our mindset, to be more adaptable, to be more flexible. We are being challenged to be more completely human at work, which means bringing the whole self, and that means mm. being vulnerable. Saying, you know, like, I'm not myself today because, you know, stuff's been difficult at home or, you know, I'm feeling quite ill mentally. That needs mm. to be okay. These are boundaries now that, that we are pushing and moving beyond um, in ways that I think we've never really done before. And it's gaining momentum. I think it's tremendously exciting. Mm. I think it produces the opportunity for us to have far more meaningful and purposeful conversations with ourselves, with our teams, with our organizations, with our communities. Um, and the challenge is to go there. Yeah. Um, and how do we go there in a way that's safe, that's respectful, that um, gives us a sense of agency over over that process? And there mm. are a number of tools and tips and discoveries that are being made on how to do that. Uh, and leaders are at the forefront of it because they're in this peculiar position of I have to lead myself, I have to lead these people, I have to help my organisation get through this. Like the, there's this three-way accountability that they're constantly having to balance. Um, so that leadership component is now more important than ever, I think. Yeah, no, I hear that. No, it's a, you make an extremely good point, Kimball. <laughs> I try. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think you did right. And... I suppose what gives me heart is I, you know, I've got some slightly older kids than than yours, and um, you know, and getting to meet them and and some of their um, friends. My son's in his twenties. Well, he's twenty. He's in his twenties, I guess. Um, they seem to be operating more in that space than than probably what we were. Right, They're way more inclusive, way more diverse, way more open to talking about all sorts of issues. And, yeah. and I go look, and it's probably a bubble, right? I, I, um, caught up with a client the other day, you know, and she said, you know, we do live in a little bit of a bubble. Okay, you know, I kind of get that. But, um, <laughs> you, you know, and but but if that's what that looks like, that gives me some hope for the future because I think, well, if these people are going to be the leaders of the future, and look, I think they've got some good role models in some of the people who, in New Zealand, right? So, you know, without getting too political, I think Jacinda was a, was a yeah. brilliant role model, yeah. you know, um, for that time and, and, and during that period and, you know, and you know, five million people looked to her and she kind of laid out some things that seemed pretty clear and we went, okay, got that. This yeah. is the way we're going to roll. Yeah. It's, we're, we're, we're there and the team in yeah. five million and all of that. And I thought she did a fantastic, you know, all of them did a fantastic job, you know. Yeah. yeah. I think we were very well led uh, during that period. I think so. And I think we're very blessed and very fortunate to live in the country that we do because, you, you know, mm. you don't have far to see alternative models of leadership that have emerged. <laughs> And I you're, think, thre you're, thre you're threading that needle very well, Kimball, with that. And I also, I'm not surprised because when yeah. a society is under crisis, yeah. then yeah. leaders emerge. Mm. They have to. 
And um, the only question that then remains is, well, what kind of leader is it? And while, you know, we're kind of talking about geopolitics a little bit now, you know, however, um, carefully, I think those lessons are well applied to the microcosm of the organisations that we yep. work as well. Yep. And I think it is time well spent for leaders to be quite reflective around, well, mm. do I want to show up? What kind of leader do yep. I want to be? I was having a really interesting conversation um, just yesterday with another client and we were talking about leadership and this interesting um, dichotomy of some leaders just rise to the challenge of a crisis, like they are mm. great leaders. Yep. Uh, they take that that command and they they listen, but then they're not afraid to go right. We're going that way. Yeah. Um, and I, that is really important in a crisis situation. Mm. And certainly from um, my military training, that's what I've experienced in the military leaders there. Like, that's yep. kind of default, and for good yeah, reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it also has its limits because mm. not everything's a crisis, and it's back to that. You know, not everything's just because you got a hammer. Not everything's a nail, right? Yeah. So these other leaders that are that are more effective or can be more effective and rise to, you know, that more um, the term we used was farming. So by that I mean yeah. just keeping the business working. Those incremental yeah. changes and evolution that secures the future. Mm. Those that kind of leadership. That's a different kind of leadership demand mm. and a kind of leadership style. Obviously, superb leaders can do both. Can do both. Yeah. Do you think yeah. there's a danger there, though? You, you know, with <laughs> Those that are good at leading in a crisis, if there isn't one, they'll find one. I think so. And again, you know, we're seeing that slash, slash manufacture one. Yeah, <laughs> see that globally, and and I think yeah. that that again speaks to the self leadership, this level mm. of maturity and self awareness now of being able to check yourself and check your mm. behaviour, check your motivators. Yeah. And go okay. What's what's driving me right now? Yeah. So this ability, and you know, mindfulness is big on this as a as a tool. Mm. This ability to realize you are not your thoughts, you are not your emotions; mm. that you are experiencing them. But being able to just take that step back and go, okay, what's mm. what's driving this, and what is the actual what's what's the best course of action? What's the yeah. worst course of action? I, I I think also, and I I said this to the client the other day that I was going to steal metaphor so here we go i'm stealing it i'm going to give it back to you but, you know we're talking about you know leading um others in in moments of crisis and it might be a personal crisis for them or, or you know there's stuff going on right and that's always the case and um you know the metaphor that she said you, you know if they're in, in a bottle spinning it's really you have no use to them if you're in the bottle with them yeah. spinning around right in that vortex and um yeah. and you, you know you've got to step back a little bit and kind of you know, I think she might have said read the label on the bottle or something like that. And I thought yeah. that was a great metaphor because, yeah. you know, I think particularly with emerging leaders, um, they f they feel that as being empathetic, mm. getting in the bottle. And, yeah. and I believe you can be effective yeah. outside of the bottle and no less empathetic, Yeah, if, and I think if, if that makes sense, yes. Totally. And I think if, if I was to riff off that, I would say getting yeah. in the bottle with that person while it's spinning, that's sympathy. That That's yeah. like... I'm just going to feel this with you. Yeah, and that's yeah, yeah. Not to anybody, empathy is being able to watch the bottle spin, going, "Wow, that must be tremendously uncomfortable." How, how can I help? Like that. Yeah. That yeah. Was, and then again, you know, the difference I think in leadership style that could emerge at that point is one leader might just put their hand on the bottle and stop it spinning. Mm. Job done, right? 
but the trauma of being inside the bottle when it suddenly stops, not so good. Whereas another leader might go, You're okay, really stretching this metaphor, Kimball. I love it. I love it. <laughs> another leader might just gently put the brakes on so it slows down yeah, and the yeah, person yeah. can kind of yeah. come back to equilibrium. I think the last the last stretch I'll make on that, that metaphor then is... No, we've got... I'm sure you've got more. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, the last stretch I'll make is, you know, that's what's going on inside for us as well. Yeah. You know, we, we end up where our heads are spinning out and our mm. emotions are kind of running right and, you know, da 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 And that yeah. metaphor is that bottle spinning. And again, can we treat ourselves with compassion? Can we mm. treat ourselves with enough self-awareness to go, oh, wow, this is what's going on for me? And can I empathize with what with those emerging feelings, but not identify with them enough so mm. that I can help myself? And that might be, I've got tools and equipment to do that myself, or it might be yeah. picking up the phone and going, hey, Dan, I'm, I'm, I just need someone to talk to right now. Yeah. That, to me, is leadership as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree. You mentioned um, motivators, and, and something I've been thinking about lately is – you, you know, w when decisions from leaders seem to be made from a place of ego, <laughs> and I'll just, you know, it, it, you know, decisions are made to elevate themselves or at least have that perception as opposed to be in service to others. Mm. Yeah, mm. I was just, just something I was kind of been thinking about lately and um, some different bunch of clients we're working with, and I thought, yeah, this is a, I don't know, is it? Yeah, that's an interesting one, eh? I mean, on the one hand, I think, you got to be realistic. We can't not have an ego. It's part of our psychological. Oh, makeup. look, and if and, and uh, you're probably going to put your hand up to want to progress because you think you can do a better job than other people. I get you. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think it comes with the territory, right? And I'm thinking about emerging leaders or those that have been yeah. doing this thing for a while. And I think, I think a line to that is then, what's your what's your underlying motive motivator behind that? Yeah. Do you think you can do a better job because you want to look better than the other guy? Or do you mm. think you can do a better job because you think the team will be happier, the, the company will be better better placed and the customers or your clients will end up happier? Like what's yeah, yeah, yeah. what's the deeper motivator, if you like? Yeah. And and this notion again that's been around for a long time but is really coming to the fore of this idea of servant leadership that you just mentioned. Mm. Um what does that actually mean? And and how do you exp how do you explore that? Because the leader yeah. is there to make a decision, but then you've got models that are emerging now. This notion of you know leaderless teams. Now, anybody who's done psychology long enough will know a leader will always emerge, yeah, just because that's part of the social dynamic. Yeah, I guess what servant leadership is pointing to, and this notion of leadership teams is pointing to, is each of us as adult human beings bring different strengths and experiences to the table. And I think the notion that I'm the leader, so therefore I have to make all of the decisions and I have to know everything, mm. kind of an archetype that has been reinforced in our society, I think, in our culture from the year dot. I mean, you look back to yep. Julius Caesar, look back to Patton, mm. back to, you know, whoever mm. great leaders you want to name, um, we kind of hold them up as oh they have the answers. Um, yeah. Same in business. So, oh, look look at look at what Steve Jobs created. Now, mm. Potentially a bad example because if you've read his biography, you know he was very egotistical. But but nonetheless, it fits our hero archetype of the person yeah, yeah. 
owes everything. I, I, I think I think you're right. It is that hero archetype, and um, I think you know Steve Jobs definitely fits into that. However, you know that we we know there's a whole lot of other folks doing work at Apple, right? Because exactly. that clearly well, one we know you know Johnny as a Johnny Ive, and That's you know right. cl- clearly we know of those people. Yeah, um, and there must have been too because they have hundreds of thousands of people working for them. <laughs> so logically, we know that, but the narrative. I think I think, I think the hero archetype. I, I think I think you've actually nailed it. I think it can be a convenient model because it's a, it's easier to tell a story that way. Exactly, the narrative yeah. is easy. It's something that people can relate to. Yeah, great story, right? Yeah, but when you it doesn't take much, as you've said, to scratch the surface and go, well, there's always a team behind a great. Mm. And again, uh, you mentioned Jacinda. I think um, whether or not you support her politically, one thing that you are seeing is that I believe is that she's she tries. Sometimes she may fail to be as inclusive as she can and to yep. consider the different thoughts and diversity in her in her cabinet and yep. more broadly. Yep. Seeing that in and other political leaders naming really really diverse cabinets mm. as well. Mm. And that's where I think this notion of leadership is shifting to. Is like, as I mentioned earlier, I think we're all leaders. It's just a leader for when. Yeah. yeah. So if there's someone in the team that's, oh, actually, I've got a bit of experience around this, or even if mm. I don't, I've just got some great ideas, great. Then yeah. the leadership yeah. passes to you. My job as the official leader mm. is probably to do two things. Create an environment where there's enough psychological safety and trust for that to emerge, that people can feel empowered to go. Well, actually, yeah, I'd like to step forward. I've got some ideas, and also, of course, someone's got to keep an eye on the big picture to make sure yeah. stay within the guide guidelines, stay within the guardrails. Yeah. We don't go completely. We're kind off. of aligning our resources appropriately yeah. here. Is this yeah. really going to get us the end game and all of that? Yeah. yeah. No, I think you did right. And so, how can I serve my team? Because any good leader will know the more I look after my team, the more they'll look after me, and together we'll achieve yeah. the objectives that we're, 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 we're wanting to achieve. Yeah. And I think some of the corporate leaders that I've worked with um, and the different models I've seen, um, you know, and I, I've seen some extraordinary um, leaders in my time that, that have done that, and um, they've been inspirational to watch. Mm. Um, you know, and again, I won't name names because it would be a bit greasy but you know there are people that i've worked with that they I've know liked. who you're talking about kimball um <laughs> that's right dan i'm just trying to you know not over inflate your ego no just kidding oh good on you <laughs> no um so yeah no i think i think i think you're spot on and, and i do think about it but they're not so yeah. afraid to call yeah uh, i think you know the the leader having all the knowledge is kind of what what a weird assumption Yes. Um, yeah. And I'd like to think that's no longer the case. The leader, however, making some of the decisions I think is important yeah. um, because, you know, and you mentioned, you know, they're kind of the official the official leadership, but at least creating enough clarity to know which decisions are theirs and which decisions aren't because, you know, you know yeah. and I suppose that's what empowerment starts to look like, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, mm. exactly. And it's, and it's always striking that balance. So how do we do that? Um, so that we maintain the momentum and, and the outcomes of the organisation that we, we're there to yep. serve can achieve, but tapping into the, the, the collective wisdom of our people. Yeah. Um, and this is another kind of pet hobby horse of mine is, is this, I'm, I'm really big on adult-to-adult interactions, and what I see in a lot of 
traditional organizational hierarchies is an, is an implicit, almost parent-child kind of relationship. Yep. And our, and our hi- hierarchical structures kind of tend to reinforce that. Yeah. But yes, boss is not that far removed from yes, dad, you know? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and I just don't think that's what gets the best out of people. I think it's, it's yeah, I have a role to play on providing the overall leadership context and the direction that the business needs to go. But you have an equally important role to play in doing the, the critical work that must be yep. done. I can't. And, 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 and chances are you've got some really good ideas on how to make that better, right? Because <laughs> you're doing it every day. It, exactly. it seems insane not to not to assume that. I don't know. It's just, and why would you not tap, tap into that? Um, yeah. And that still is an emerging model, I think, and I think that's mm. Ideas of psychological safety are so important. Yeah, it's it is still new to most people, and until they feel that it's okay to put themselves out there, it's okay mm. to be vulnerable, it's okay to share ideas around. And again, it comes back to this mindfulness. A lot of people, and myself included, um, get very attached to our ideas. So if I put mm. my idea out there and you say that's a that's a terrible idea, <laughs> I'll take I can take that personally. You know. Yeah. So creating that environment where it's... Oh, I've, ne- I've never done that. No, of course. I'm <laughs> laughing. <laughs> I, I, I remember, I, remember I, I, was, I might have been in my 20s, possibly in my 30s. Someone said, Dan, you don't have to take everything personally. I remember saying, well, how else do you want me to take it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think I've moved somewhat from, 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 that, from that guy, but yeah. yeah. I, I mean, just mind you then again, you know, it, uh, I think I've been blessed to have had people that have given me some some pretty straight straight down the barrel feedback, you know, from time to time, and you're going, wow. Yeah. And, you know, anyway, hey, look, I, I digress. Hey, Kimball, I just want to thank you for your time um, and well, and awesome. always good to chat. And I, I don't think we've probably done this enough. We haven't connected f- for, for a while, and um, no, I really appreciate it. And um, and thank you for sharing some of your experience that, that you've had. Yeah, and I guess you know fundamentally, it really comes down to I think you're right that that leadership and and then however that needs to happen with the tech or the ways that we engage that that we currently have. Yeah, I think the future is bright for the learning profession. Um, yeah, and the onus is on us to step up and and mm. to show that we've got some real value that we can add to the table to help people and the organisations they're part of go to these new places that, that the environment is demanding of them. And I think it's a really exciting time. So thank you so much. It's been it's been great oh, to chat. Cheers. Stay. Thank you. Okay.